Hey everyone, welcome to Marketing for Designers podcast. I'm your host, Masha Coyne, a messaging strategist and a copywriter for the interior design industry. I've been marketing for what feels like forever in my past career at some of the biggest global firms like KPMG and Deloitte. Today, I write website copy for designers using my signature voice of customer framework. If you're a designer looking to up your marketing game and attract premium clients, this podcast is for you. Each week on the show, we're going to be talking all things marketing, from branding to messaging to social media, SEO, and so much more, so you can have all the tools you need to grow your business and attract your dream clients. Hey guys, welcome to the very first official episode of Marketing for Designers podcast. I'm so excited to welcome my first guest. I'm joined today by Robin White, and I'll introduce her in a second. But first, here's what we're talking about today. So the topic is using your website to attract premium clients. We're going to be talking about how marketing to a luxury audience is different from traditional approaches. We'll also talk about understanding the unique buying behaviors of luxury clients and why knowing the core of your brand is crucial in this high-end market. We'll also chat about common misconception in the design industry, the idea that a DIY website might not be sufficient for your business needs. That's a juicy one. So to kick to, to kick us off, we're joined today by my colleague and friend, Robin White. Let me tell you a little bit about her. So Robin White is the owner and founder of RDW Design Studio, a boutique website design studio with a distinctive eye for sophistication in website design. She designs websites with strategy, so they're uniquely tailored to resonate with your ideal client. Her other specialty is building SEO strategies for designers and the home industry. She's taking considerable time to learn about the design industry, and this understanding allows her to be highly effective in building websites that provide a seamless client journey that increases conversions and builds loyalty. Her strategy-first approach, attention to detail, and streamlined process ensures her clients have a stellar experience and remarkable results. Given Robin's specialty, she is the perfect guest for this episode. So welcome, Robin. I am so excited you joined me on the very first episode today. Thank you so much, Masha. It is such a pleasure to be here and such an honor to be your first guest. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And what a perfect conversation. Uh, I absolutely love this topic. We, uh, in our past conversations, we've talked about this so many times. So this is a really great topic for this one. So Robin, you're known for your strategic and sophisticated approach to website design. Can you tell us how marketing to a luxury client is different from the usual kind of client? Sure, absolutely. Um, I would love to first back up just a second and speak very generally about what marketing is, because I think sometimes there can be misconceptions about that. And marketing is really how you generate awareness about your business. And it's creating energy and putting things out in the world because nobody can hire you if they don't know that you exist. So um, it's all the actions that you take to attract your audience. So I just wanted to put that I out there. Those, yeah. yeah. And um, absolutely. I, you know, when you're putting together your marketing plan, and I actually like to call it your awareness strategy instead, um, you mm -hmm. really want to discover where your ideal clients are hanging out. 
whether that's online, um, through certain media publications, in communities, you really just want to know where they are so you can be there too. And that's where you want to put all of your efforts. So if your ideal clients are not on Instagram, don't spend your time on Instagram. That's such a good point. I feel like so many people just forget that, especially when they're just um, starting or launching their business and they're like, well, I got to show up in all of these different places. And no, you don't. You just mm -hmm. have to remember, you have to figure out where does your ideal audience hangs out and put your efforts there. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the more marketing you actually do for the your business, the more you're going to realize that people don't care much about what you're selling because it's not about them. So once you can actually turn the tables and make your marketing all about how you help your ideal clients and the problems that you solve for them, then they become a lot more interested. Absolutely. I think, um, I think what we see often, like in both uh, your profession and in mine, when we work on people's websites, we often come across websites that are all about me, me, me. It's all about you know, their brand, their services, how they serve clients. And they often forget that nobody really cares about you the way you do about yourself. They care about how you can help them. You know, yes. they want to be seen and heard and understood in your copy, in your website and all of your marketing. So mm -hmm. really good point. Yeah. Thank you. Um, marketing to a more high-end client is different because your services aren't a necessity. Mm -hmm. They're a want and they're not a need. It's not like a plumber where you have mm -hmm. a leak and you have to get it fixed. So while you're still solving a problem, it's um, it's more of an emotional problem. So um, you have to figure out what it is that that ideal client wants emotionally. Um, do they want more respect? Do they want status? Do they want confidence? Do they want self-esteem on an emotional level? What is it they're looking for? So let's take a couple of examples. Like a luxury watch, like a Rolex is selling status. They're mm -hmm. not selling a watch, right? Um, a luxury perfume is selling confidence and attractiveness. And a luxury hotel is selling um, comfort, status, and complete relaxation. So you kind of have to frame what you're selling a little bit in a different way. So you want to, in a way, stop thinking about what it is that you sell and start thinking about how that service can transform your ideal client's lives. Mm -hmm. So going back to the value that you provide and mm -hmm. making sure the messaging and the design and all the things in your marketing speak directly and make that emotional connection with your audience rather than focusing too much on you, on what you do on your brand. Yes. It's all about them. And it's all about satisfying what they're looking for emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it's also making sure that you are making the right first impression. First impressions are everything. And that is visually written, you know, your messaging, everything from your website to your social media to any print materials, it all has to be um, so tightly woven 
that there's no room for questioning or uncertainty. Um, and there, the high-end client is looking for reassuring signals at every touch point it's expected by them. So you just need to be spot on with everything that you're doing. I love that. I love that you're saying that it's all connected. It's mm -hmm. not just your, you know, your website. It's the first impression that you make across all the different touch points in your marketing. That's why when you are, you know, for the first time investing in your marketing or um, starting a project, it's not, you can't just do that in a silo. It's not, it can't just be the website. It, we have mm -hmm. to look at everything holistically, you know, well, what does it look like in your contract? What does it look like in your proposals and your kind of client facing emails and social and all the things? Mm -hmm. All the things. Although I will say that I think most of the time your website will be the first impression that they get of you. So it's almost a little more crucial that it be spot on and then everything else just needs to be consistent and cohesive across the board. Because you're setting the stage really with your website, mm -hmm. you're setting the stage for how this relationship is going to go for how for what they're going to think of you, the kind of impression that you're going to make. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So we know we now understand what luxury client is looking for um, in your marketing. How do luxury buyers buy? Right. It's such a good question. And it's hard to understand. You know, they really are a little bit different. They are looking for and expecting quality and a, the best experience you can possibly provide, first of all. So you need to excite them and you need to delight them. Um, it's not about the service. It's about the journey that you take your clients on. They're looking for that experience, right? I love that. I love reframing that, that it's not so much what they're what they're buying, but not, not necessarily what they're buying, but the whole experience, not the thing that they're purchasing or the service they're purchasing, but the experience, how are they going to feel in the process of working with you? Mm -hmm. Again, it all goes back to this being emotional for them. It's mm -hmm. a want and not a need. Um, they're making an emotional decision. They're buying from their heart, not their head. And when you tap the head, you're tapping a budget, which is a limitation. So, and that's tied to a perceived need. And when you reach the heart, you've taken sort of your client from need to want, right? So you wanna look at interior design um, as tied to the business, let's say of happiness, mm -hmm. right? You're making your clients happy at home. I like it's that. It's emotional. I like that. And I think I may not be my own ideal audience, but I think mm -hmm. that's how I buy. It's all connected to an emotion. I'm not sure. I, I I don't think I necessarily buy with my head or any type of logic. It's always kind of like, well, this is how it makes me feel. It makes me feel good. It makes me, it makes me feel happy. That's how I think I make decisions and a lot of other people too, I think. Yes. I think that we all Initially, we'll decide with um, emotion, and then some of us will take it a step further and justify with the mm -hmm. head. And that's when we might be a little bit more restricted by funds and investment level, where the head starts to come in. It's also tied to the idea that different people buy differently. Different people require different level of information when they first get, like, for example, I've talked to um, on other podcasts, I've talked to 
the different personality types when they're mm -hmm. buying things, when they're making decisions, some people requ require a lot more information up front. So you have to consider that with your messaging and mm -hmm. you're, you know, putting a lot more information on a page because you're going to, you know, that methodical person will need to read a lot more up front in order to make that decision. And then other people that are kind of make decisions a lot quicker and they pay attention to different kind of press factors. And um, so I think it's important to consider all of these different types of personalities. And oh, yes. I always talk about the quick start and the researcher, you know, mm. the two different ends of the spectrum and how your yeah. website really needs to be, well, the copy on your website really needs to be laid out in a designed in a way that is going to be beneficial to both of them. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting when you are trying to attract a more luxury buyer, we can delve even further into um, different buying types specific to that market. So I sort of categorize them into three different uh, segments. There's the uniqueness buyer, the legacy buyer, and the aspirational buyer when you're dealing with a luxury audience. So the uniqueness buyer values having something that most people don't possess. Mm, I like so, that. Okay. So they want anything that is rare, innovative, unique. They value something that other people don't have access to um, so that it makes them feel special and exclusive. So um, you can kind of think about, I'll go back to a Rolex watch again. Um, think of being on a wait list for a Rolex that may not become available for a couple of years they're really going to be interested in something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and to attract this kind of buyer, something that designers can do is um, create uniqueness beyond their services through their customer experience, through their unique process, um, a certain level of concierge service that they're offering their clients and through personalizations and customizations. I love that. I often come across this um, in the client questionnaire that I send to clients when I write website copy. And this is how I figure out what it is that my clients clients. So the, the homeowners that work with my interior design clients, that's what they want. Oftentimes when I interview them, I come across pieces of information like I just want I just want my home to look like very Instagrammable. So, you know, to be the envy of the neighborhood. And then there are others that say, I want something completely unique. I want the design specifically for me and not for anybody else to see. So that's where we see these different kind of personality types. And I think yeah. this yeah. definitely applies to what you just said about the uniqueness type of buyer, the, the yeah. person that wants, uh, that aspires something that's completely unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 real. I find these personalities really interesting. Um, the next one is the legacy buyer. Mm -hmm. So they are prioritizing um, quality, and they're making their buying decision based on quality and longevity. Mm -hmm. So depending on you know what your service is. So for example, like a well-established jewelry brand fits in there really nicely because it can be passed down to the next generation. Mm -hmm. So so could um, beautiful furnishings for a home. Mm -hmm. right? You would hope that maybe your children would take them and then your grandchildren would get them. And so like timeless brands, that's what designers can do to actually 
reflect mm-hmm. that if if they know that their kind of client, their buyer is um, is interested in a legacy type of thing, that's what they should be paying attention to in their messaging, on their website, in their marketing. Yes. And timelessness is something that should be really important in their brand foundation mm-hmm. as well. Um, and they want to highlight features that make their business appear timeless and the service they provide appear timeless, the furnishings timeless, you know, that's mm-hmm. really what this legacy buyer is looking for. Okay. So pay attention to those keywords. Definitely reflect that if you recognize something, um, something like that in your clients, definitely uh, make notes and make sure that those kind of keywords and attributes are reflected in your messaging and across your marketing. Absolutely. And the, okay, the third, third one, the third one is the aspirational buyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have probably the most variable income and their buying motivations are centered around how a service makes them feel. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're sort of envisioning their future selves with the service before they're investing in it, which is a really, it, it's a big differentiator between the other two. Um, they want their purchase of your service to meet an internal expectation of how they determine like, quote unquote, I've made it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So um, it, it, it's a very interesting group. And to attract this kind of audience, you you really want to illustrate like quiet luxury and be a bit more understated in a way so that it's um, it's more flexible for the client to envision themselves. I like that. And quiet luxury is such a hot trend right now. Well, I shouldn't say that it's a trend, but it is what I like. I feel like that's what people are talking about lately. It's the the quiet luxury. It's like almost Mm -hmm. the understated. Understated. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you'll probably have clients that will come from all three of these groups. Mm -hmm. So um, it's important that your website design and your messaging is sort of tailored to each of them. I was going to ask, so would you say, well, it depends on how well you know your audience, right? Mm -hmm. So you may have all three types of buyers. So we've got uniqueness, legacy, and aspirational. So would you say that your website design should speak to all three or... Or I guess it depends on how well you know your audience. I think it comes down to how well you know your target audience. Um, Because each each designer may find that they prefer to work with one group over the other. And then maybe we want to target their messaging and the website design like niche even further, Mm -hmm. you know, into just that one segment. Um, Or they may decide they're just looking for high end in general. And then we want to have the messaging and the design resonate with all three of those buying personalities. The same way with other kinds of clients, you know, the quick start and the researcher, we do want to attract both in our messaging and our design. Plus, I think in different situations, we sometimes we do need a bit more information up front and with other uh, purchasing decisions, we're a lot more quicker. So you yes. definitely want to speak, to, which like I, I often bring it up um, in messaging conversations because 
for the quick start, we pay attention, pay a lot more attention to headlines because people mm -hmm. can just scan the headlines and they're like, yes. oh, okay, this is good. I know what this section is talking about. I know. So they don't necessarily need to read all the sections. Mm -hmm. They're just reading the headlines and they're getting the gist of the whole conversation. Whereas like more methodical ones will be, they'll be reading every section. This is how we work. This is oh, yeah. how these they're reading all stories. the bullet points and exactly. all the paragraphs. Yep. Yeah, so your copy needs to, your copy and design needs to pay attention to all three. Uh, I'm curious, do you ever bring up those things um, in your kind of introductory conversations with clients to kind of understand, well, what's your audience like? What, what, what your client is like? Are they more kind of an aspirational kind of buyer or into the uniqueness? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. So I don't bring it up in the introductory call, but we... Um, when we get into our strategy sessions, it comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. um, really only if the client has indicated that they're really trying to attract a more high-end or luxury client. Um, not all of my clients are looking for that. You know, they it might be, you know, regular people, middle-class people, and that's mm -hmm. absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. um, but when they really are going after that more luxury client, we definitely dive into the buying personalities for sure. I love that. I love yeah. the three types of buyers. Mm -hmm. So their uniqueness, legacy, and aspirational. Did I yes. cover them all? You did. And okay. one thing they all have in common, all, you know, luxury clients are really looking for exclusivity, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So something that um, designers offer that is quite exclusive is their items that are only available to the trade, you know, mm -hmm. that these clients wouldn't be able to get if they didn't work with a designer. So that is something that you can play up in your mar marketing and your messaging. Absolutely. Especially um, on your process and your services page, that's where you can definitely uh, talk it up and explain that, you know, we've got, you know, we work with specific brands that are not kind of available to public and not mass produced. Mm -hmm. This is something that would be attractive to a more, uh, to a luxury client a higher end client. Yeah. That exclusivity they can offer is key for sure. Amazing. Okay. So when Robin, when we were brainstorming the topics for today's conversation, you also stressed the importance of knowing your brand foundations. So first of all, can you tell me what this even means and, and why is this so important? Yes, I would love to. And I would love to start off by saying your brand is not your logo. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's just so important for people to hear. Your logo is one part of your brand visuals, along with your color palette and your typography or your font selection. And um, your website is part of your brand visuals. But um, you can't do your brand visuals without having clarity around your brand foundations first. And what I'm talking about when I say brand foundations is you want to have clarity around I've got a list of questions that I'd love to read off so that mm -hmm. your listeners can think about this is the stuff they really need to get clear on. So what's your core offering? What's your, your, your unique selling proposition? What makes you unique? This is also unique value proposition sometimes. What makes you better than your competition and what makes you different from your competition? Um, what are your values? What's the vision for your business? Who is your target audience, your ideal client? And to me, that one is one of the most important ones that you can answer. Um, how can you serve your audience in the best way possible? 
um, how do you want your audience to feel when they interact with your brand and your website? I love that question. That's one of my favorite questions. So important. Yes. yes. Um, what's your tone of voice? That's something mm -hmm. you must talk about all the time. Yep. Um, what's your brand personality? What sort of lifestyle do you want to convey? That's an important one. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What descriptive words do you want to be used to define your brand? And finally, how will you attract your dream clients? So these are like the foundational questions that a lot of, especially new business owners, I think, completely skip over and go right into the logo. And the thing is, when you have a really clear understanding and answers to all of these foundational questions, then you can figure out what your color palette should be. Colors evoke certain emotions. So when you think about um, what, how do you want people to feel when they interact with your brand? There's no right or wrong. You know, it all depends on your brand personality. But if you want them to feel one way, then you're going to pick certain colors versus if you want them to feel another way. And typography as well. It can be whimsical. It can be traditional. It can be um, elegant. So you, you can't go picking your colors and your fonts and putting together a logo when you haven't figured out yet the answers to these foundational questions. Yeah. And you can't really pick those or even answer those until you know who your ideal client is, because I feel like it's such a delicate balance between what it is that you want. How do you want to show up in front of your audience and what does, what resonates with your audience, who your audience is. So it can't just be, um, well, this is how I want people to feel. You also have to take into consideration, but what would resonate with that dream client that you're trying to attract? Yes. While also being true and authentic to who you are, mm -hmm. because let's just use a clothing example. Um, let's just say that you're like a flip-flop and jeans kind of person. That's perfectly okay. But then don't have your brand photo shoot have you in dresses and suits and then you show up on your client's front doorstep in flip-flops and jeans because that's, right. that's gonna read this sort of disconnect that's mixed messages sending mixed, mixed messages, messages to your audience yes you can still be you know an exclusive brand and be a flip-flops and jeans kind of person if you package it properly. Mm -hmm. Right. So you need to be authentic to who you are so that you're showing up true to yourself when you're representing your brand as well. I like that, that you're thinking things through. Do you expect your clients to kind of know all of these things or are you helping them kind of navigate this process before or during uh, like a typical website uh, design yeah. project? So during our strategy um, phase, which is two months that I do strategy and prep with my clients, mm -hmm. we're diving deep into these questions. So I send them a questionnaire and I ask for answers. And mm -hmm. then we do a Zoom call or two where we dive deeper because sometimes what they type out in a form as an answer isn't really getting deep enough. So that's why I like to follow up with a face-to-face -face via Zoom where I can ask even more probing questions because I truly can't design a strategic website that's going to attract and convert 
your ideal clients without having this clear understanding of what your brand foundations are. The same way you can't write messaging really without having these answers. A hundred percent. And you know, the audience can't see me, but I'm like nodding all the way. And I absolutely love that your process is so intentional and it's two months and you're not just going to say, well, yeah, it's, you know, within, within a week, I can get that done because there's this time of getting to know your audience, getting to know their audience, getting to know all of these foundational pieces before you design a truly strategic website. You just can't simply do it based on a couple of answers or in a simple conversation. You really have to dig a little bit deeper uh, to design something yes. that would resonate with a brand, align with their brand and their goals and a specific audience type. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also want to be there to help them through, you know, the copywriting process and mm -hmm. the graphic design process and the photo shoot process um, so that they have me as a resource while all of that is being done. Because those are all materials I need to pull together for the website. I like that. It's not like... um. I like that you consider all of these elements uh, for a uh, for a truly comprehensive website that works. And you know, you would talk to your customers about copywriting and and the graphic design and all of those things. And it's not just website design. And then the rest is kind of they're on their own. You will guide them through this process. I think it's so important and definitely says a lot about you and how you run your business and your process. Thanks, Masha. Yeah, I like that. So okay. I would just love to say that once the foundational work is completed, another thing to um, really think about is knowing your competition. And I know mm -hmm. we don't like to call other designers our competition, but for here, sake, for yeah. this sake, why don't we? But I'm not saying that we should be snooping on their businesses. It's more important to know who they are so that you can differentiate yourself from them. And you and I have talked about this. Oh, a lot, I agree. Asha. Yeah. But, you know, some business owners think they need to be similar to their competition. And that's actually one of the worst things that they can possibly do. Um, you want your ideal clients to understand the difference between you and your competitors so that they're seeking you out, right? You're differentiating yourself. And then knowing your competition will also it gives you an opportunity to see where there might be a gap in the market and to fill it. And that's something else that can make you incredibly unique. It's really all about um, showing your uniqueness and not sounding or being generic and the same as everyone else. And blending in completely. I, I agree with you. I have a competitive analysis as part of my own process too, when I write website copy for interior designers. And like you said, I don't really do it just to kind of see, um, you know, what they do and how um, that I should kind of maybe make my website or messaging be similar. I always look for gaps and opportunities mm -hmm. like, okay, that's how they position themselves and their marketing. What can I do to differentiate? What's not said? What's not mentioned? Mm -hmm. What have they skipped over? You know, um, I look at it as an opportunity for my clients. Like, yes. okay, let's make you shine a little brighter on your own website and your own marketing. That's exactly it. Shine yeah. a little brighter. Yeah. I love that. I ask in my strategy questionnaire for um, three competitors' websites so that mm -hmm. I can look at them because I want to make my clients shine brighter yeah. than theirs for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this is off topic, but when I'm working on SEO for my clients, I want to know 
their competitors because there's certain metrics that I just want ours to be higher than theirs, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And again, I feel like I, I do know SEO, but not as in-depth as you do. But I think with SEO, you're looking at like what, what keywords are they, mm -hmm. you know, sprinkling strategically across their website? What, what are they ranking for? So, yeah. and uh, also looking are... at what their domain authority number is oh, and yeah. their number of backlinks, because if we can just get our domain authority higher and our backlinks higher, then we win. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. I love yeah. that. Okay. Um, so now this is a juicy question. Me and you definitely aligned on, on this point, but why DIY website isn't going to cut it when it comes to marketing to a higher end client. We've talked yeah. about it so many times. It's like yeah. a hot topic for us, but, um, like when I take on a website copywriting project, then the client tells me they're going after a premium client. I make sure to ask, um, are they working with a designer or are they doing it themselves? It's kind of like, it's not a deal breaker, but it's so important. So yes. tell me. So I think this goes back to what we talked about before in terms of how important first impressions are because your website is often the first impression a client will get at all of you, your brand and your business. It has to be spot on. And if it's a DIY website, it's going to be obvious. And I just, I'll share a little, a little tidbit here. Have you ever been in a situation where you're looking for a service provider and you get a lot of recommendations and you read a lot of reviews and they're all really glowing and positive and you're like, wow, this sounds fantastic. And then you check out their website and you're instantly turned off by what you see because it's not professionally done. And it, 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 there's a disconnect between the referrals and the reviews and then what you're seeing visually. And then it doesn't convey the quality of the work they do, the professionalism, the service they provide. And now you start to question, are these reviews that I've read even real? And this disconnect between the high quality of work you do and your brand visuals, which includes your website, um, this breeds distrust. Yeah. And premium clients are immediately going to go away. They're looking for signs of quality. And if you don't have a quality website, they're going to notice it right away. So even if the quality of your services is really supreme, um, that DIY website is going to turn off a luxury client because of the misalignment. And they're going to be making assumptions when they see this disconnect, when they see they might be, you know, completely on board with the stuff that they're reading about you and the messaging and everything is aligned. But that one thing, you know, the, the poor design or poor user experience or whatever it may be, or slow, I don't know, slow, slowly loading photos and just, mm -hmm. you know, um, just bad design sometimes. Yeah your clients are going to be making assumptions and that's what's going to breed mistrust. And they're going to be questioning things like you said. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I'm always a little bit, not always, but 90% of the time I am a little bit deflated when I hear my clients say, Nope, I'm just going to do that uh, myself. And then, you know, the messaging could be completely on point, but when it's wrapped in bad design, 
It just I'm the bad. same way when they hire me to design their website and they tell me they're going to write their own copy. I'm like, oh gosh. Because they work this in tandem. It's like you work know, peanut butter and hand, you know. <laughs> in hand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the other thing is if you're going after a luxury client, you're obviously charging a premium price for your services. Yes. So how can you expect your clients to pay a premium price for your services when you're not even willing to pay you're going cheap on your website, which is your yeah. most important marketing tool. It, it, it's, it's just, it's not the right way to go. It's, I am not opposed to you DIYing your website in the beginning, because in the beginning, you know, you're not probably going after a high-end client, but once you've been in business for a while and you've decided that you're trying to elevate things and that's the kind of client that you're trying to attract, a DIY website just it's not going to cut it. And then there's also no point in investing in marketing tactics like SEO or um, paid advertising or social media if the website that you're leading them to looks cheap and undesirable. That's right. You're driving traffic. You're driving paid traffic mm -hmm. to something that's not going to make an amazing impression. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And But I also, it's worth noting the point that you made about maybe at the beginning of your business, when you're just launching your business, maybe it's not the right type of investment. And I've said that before, I've actually talked myself out of doing business with some designers, because I'm like, you know, you might want to spend that money on a business coach or setting up your systems or processes, rather than investing in a uh, professional strategic website when you're still not clear about who your audience is or who you're after or what do you stand for or what's your unique value proposition and you know figure take the time figure all of this out take a couple of years and then invest into professional you know design and copywriting and all those things but first take the time and really you know uh, make sure you know uh, you have clarity on your product on your service you know and your audience. I love that, Masha. Yeah. I, I talk people out of custom websites a lot um, because they're not ready for it. It's a big investment. And if you don't have that clarity around everything that you just mentioned, um, it's, it's not where you should be spending your money in the beginning. And in those first two years, so much is going to change. Exactly. And at the end of the day, we're also going to have a lot of challenges when we're working, say they do invest in all of this. And when we send them the project brief or the questionnaire, they're going to have a hard time answering some of those questions. And while both you and I can help our clients arrive at some type of clarity, if they at least have an idea of the type of projects they want to work and the type of client they want to work with, sometimes it's just tough if they haven't had like two, three projects under their belt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, sometimes this comes back to zones of genius, right? So for our um, clients, their zone of genius is interior design. It's not website design and it's not copywriting. Yeah. And sometimes, Nor does it have to. Nor does exactly. It have to be. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes the best thing we can do is outsource things that are not within our zone of genius. 
I think we arrive at this understanding when we've had a couple of years um, yes. in, in business, you know, because it, it, like five years ago when I launched my business, I wasn't investing left, right and center into everything. Yeah. I was doing a lot of things myself. And then, you know, now uh, five years later, I'm like, OK, uh, I'm just going to spend, you know, three hours or two weeks doing this thing that I could outsource. It's going to be, you know, a lot more cost effective at the end and it's going to get done, which is the most important thing. It's going to be done right. Yes. So important. I always say, you know, you have to either sacrifice time or money. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's just the way it is. You know, you can sacrifice your time and go down the Google rabbit hole, teach yourself how to put together a website, or you can sacrifice your money and have someone do it. Everyone eventually arrives at that. Well, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's so many things that go into a strategic website that take, you know, they've taken me years and years to learn. And same with you, you know, coming yeah. up with, you know, the right kind of messaging. It's, it's hard work, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay. So be mindful of time. We've got one more thing that we could talk about and that's the mistakes that you see on websites. Yes. Yes. So I'd um, love to hear a couple of them. <laughs> okay. Excellent. I would say number one is a lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. You're going to love this, Masha. Yeah. Um, confused buyers don't buy. Oh, 100%. We all know this, right? Yeah. So you need to be as clear as possible with your audience. When a potential client lands on your website, you have to immediately let them know what you do and who you do it for. That hero statement, that headline at the very top, and I know Masha is going to love this, that has to (laughs) capture their attention immediately. And then also keep them engaged with your website so they move on to the next section. Mm-hmm. And then that mm-hmm. section needs to get them to move on to the next section. Um, and this clarity goes for your main menu at the top of your website as well. Keep it really, really simple. Everything doesn't need to go there. Only what I like to call the money-making pages, the most mm-hmm. important pages of your website. The core pages, yeah. The core pages. Your um, resources page does not need to go in your main menu. It can be- What linked- would you say are the core pages for a website, for a, an interior design business? Home, about services- portfolio contact. Very simple. That's all you need to make that decision. Possibly your blog or mm-hmm. your press. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's press updated in regular. My main menu. Yes. If it's updated, my yeah. press is in my main menu. My blog is not, it's in my footer menu mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. have a menu in your footer. You can have more than one menu on your website. Keep mm-hmm. it really simple and clear. That clarity is so important. So, so important. Okay. Um, What's another one? Poor user experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big so one. they need to effortlessly glide through your website. Ooh, That's what nice. I like to say. Um, everything needs to flow and um, every element needs to work seamlessly with the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything needs to be pleasing to the eye, especially when you're trying to attract a luxury audience. Um, Can you give me an, an example of a bad user experience or a poor user experience? Yeah. So poor user experience can be, um, for example, if um, things are crammed together and there isn't white space so that your eye can rest so that you can breathe. Um, poor user experience can be when the fonts are not really legible, when it's just 
big blocks of text and nothing else. So oh, like my pet peeve. <laughs> no headline, subheadline, bullet points, no images, no white space. It's all about, you know, the the layout. Um poor user experience can be not having a clear call to action so that the user knows what they should do next. There, there's so many different things that go. That's a good one too. Where do you want mobile, them to go next? Right. You know, not having it, a mobile responsive website, having mm -hmm. a slow loading website. These are all um, contributors to user experience. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Pop-ups, you know. Good, bad. Pop-ups. Depends. Depends. It depends. How they pop up. I find them... <laughs> I personally find them incredibly annoying. Mm -hmm. Having intrusive. ads, very intrusive. You know, it's one thing if it pops up once, but there's lots of websites where it keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. And I'm just going to bounce off and never I've go back. I've seen that. I'm not buying from you. Just yeah. annoys the hell out of me. I've seen that. I've, I think there's something, there must be something on the back end of, uh, of the website that's not yeah. properly um, adjusted. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to, there's a fine line between selling to somebody and providing a good experience for somebody, oh. you know, so you can have a lead magnet on your website. That's in a pop-up that's done in a way that's not going to ruin their experience on your website. And it has to provide value. It can't just be something to just that. to collect your, you know, to, to add you to your, um, email, email list. list. It has to yeah. provide value. There has to yeah. be, um, it has to be worthy of parting with their email address. That's great. A couple of other mistakes. I'll yeah. just list a few off. Um, inconsistent branding and visual elements. Mm. Um, not Going using back to the, those foundational pieces. Exactly. Not yeah. using professional photography on your website. Oh, I that's mean, that's huge. Huge one for interior designers. Um, I'm not going to go into all of it, but we can tell the difference immediately. Yeah. So invest in professional photography. A design that doesn't reflect high-end. Um, if everything you're trying to attract is high-end, if your brand is high-end, your website design needs to be a high-end design. So be and, selective which projects to feature and which to yes, feed out. Yes. And, you know, the key to luxury is simplicity. Mm -hmm. That's true. Simple. We want to be simple. And, and I don't mean simple in a bad way. I mean simple in that it's clear and it's not crowded and busy and, you know, that that type of simple. So I like that. And that's a big one, actually, the minimalistic yeah. feel to it, just mm -hmm. enough information, sufficient amount of information to help your website visitor to make a decision rather than overwhelming, overwhelming them yeah. with a whole bunch of copy and unnecessary details. Exactly. And then finally, I'll just say not communicating the value that you offer. Yeah. And that goes back to the unique value proposition, like mm -hmm. your differentiator and the value you bring to your clients. That's a big one. I think everything uh, goes back to your brand foundations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad really we does. talked about it. Um, I like that, Robin. Um, maybe one last question. And this is something yeah. that I want to start doing on this po podcast. Um, sorry to spring that on you, but <laughs> one last question I wanted to ask all of my guests. What's the one thing that you implemented or a practice that you adapted in your life or business that was a game changer, game changer? Oh, Masha, that is a great question. And um, the first thing that popped into my head is that I practice um, transcendental meditation. Oh. And that has been a game changer in both my life and my business. 
for several reasons. And I think the number one is that it has allowed me to learn how to respond rather than react to things. And it, that's just, those two words are just so important. So, you know, you get an email from someone and you're automatically like, "Mm -hmm." and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, you want to just type back really quickly. No, like I take a breath, sometimes step away and you respond to it rather than react to it. And that has helped me in so many different ways in my life and my business. And, you know, we all go through uh, busy times, bad days, just taking a break and meditating to clear my head, I've just found to be incredibly invaluable. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. Well, this this has been great. Uh, Robin, tell our audience where they can find you. Sure. So um, the best place to find out about me and my services and see my portfolio is my website, which is rdwdesignstudio.com. And the social media platform that I'm most active on is Instagram. And my handle is rdwdesignstudio. And I follow back all designers. And Masha, if I may, I would love to share a gift with your audience. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. So I have something called an instant website upgrade. And if you send me a link to your website, I will prepare a personalized video for you with two tips that I think will make the biggest difference in your website. And um, Masha will put that in the show notes, but you can find it. It's rdwdesignstudio.com slash website dash upgrade. Oh, this is very generous. Robin, thank you so much. And thank you so much for such a great conversational. You're a wealth of knowledge and I really appreciate you sharing everything with me and my audience. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so much fun chatting with you. Absolutely. Thanks, Robin. What a great conversation this has been. So many takeaways. But the highlight for me, I think, was that you want to understand the different buyer personas in luxury markets. And Robin helped us define it and kind of put it into three categories, people seeking uniqueness, so something rare that no one has, legacy, people seeking quality and longevity, or aspirationals, people who who have certain internal expectations. And tailoring your marketing, both messaging and offerings to these motivators is so critical when speaking to a luxury market. So I hope you loved it as much as I did. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Marketing for Designers. This is Masha Cohen signing off. See you next week.